Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why podcast. I am Josh Y. Looking forward to a fabulous week eight, and to join me to preview that and recap some action, I've got my buddy Josh Woot with me. How are you, mate? Ah, uh, terrific week eight. Lucky week eight. Yeah, it's a short, shorter week. Plenty of teams on by, but uh, plenty of plenty of good news going on around the world at the moment in terms of sport. Like I feel like from now until February is just an ultimate sports coma you touched on it during the week as well how much is going on but the nba is back and uh now all the way until february at least we've got nba and nfl action for us on a daily basis mate it's it's sexy sports season it's uh it's absolute heaven really and you throw in a mix a little bit of cricket and whatnot and uh some spring racing as well we've got melbourne cup next tuesday so we'll probably have to record on a wednesday i'm I'm assuming yeah i'm i'm guessing yep uh, and our mate Billy, uh, the man behind the Lunar Bowl, who uh, who we've been working with on the Lunar Bowls, now father, uh, welcomed Oscar William into the world today. Uh, so congratulations to our mate Billy, and maybe hold off on calling Billy for a few days while he catches up on some sleep for Lunar Bowl tickets. But then after that, make sure you give him a call for Lunar Bowl tickets. As as a as a an, an added bonus, if you like. Yeah, maybe give him a few days rest to uh, because he's going to be up all night. But uh, some other news today was the death of Vines. Twitter announced that Vines uh, are gone, and uh, it's sad because it's a lot of it's been good for us because we post a lot of highlights. Eventually, the NFL goes and deletes them because the NFL doesn't want free advertising at all, and (laughs) it's just a big bad Grinch. So eventually, it was going to come back and bite us in the ass. We got that many notices to stop making Vines, but I was just middle finger to Rogue. Roger Goodell, or Roger, whatever you want to call him, but uh, Roger, Roger, Roger Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, it's it's sad. Do you have a favorite vine of all time? Um, I know you are going to say the tap dancing dog. Yeah, I love it. To the Toto Africa, it it, it <laughs> never gets old. I've watched it probably six, seven hundred times. I don't know, man. There's there's so many vines. I just I love them more. Yeah, I don't know. The LeBron James uh, but- kid is good too. Brown James, no, there's going to be, uh, this has to be like a way to get Periscope boosted or something, yeah? It's got to be That's something. Good. It's it's so hard to monetize Vines, right? Because it's an eight-second video, so you're not going to watch a 30-second ad for an eight-second video. It's just, it's not sustainable. Exactly. So, I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I reckon they could have just flashed a picture ad before it. Like, here's two seconds and then bam, and it, your total thing will be like 10 seconds or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Bad, but I don't Bad math. And it never made sense for the NFL to get rid of our vines because we weren't making any money off them. Like, it was literally free advertising for them. It was the best plays on Vine that people could see and share anywhere around the world. And people were like, you know what? I kind of like NFL. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching some more. It's not, it didn't take away viewers. Oh, That's well. it. Baffled us, uh, and then uh, during the week we we forgot we actually literally forgot to uh, to do a Thursday night football preview on Tuesday's podcast, uh, which is kind of funny because it just shows you how relevant the AFC South really is in our lives. Like we just it was an afterthought, and it's your division, and, uh, and I just could not care. But anyway, let's get to some NFL news. <laughs> All right, the Giants released kicker Josh Brown finally, and the, and John Mara made this statement. We believe we did the right thing at every juncture in our relationship with Joss. Uh, our beliefs, our judgments were misguided. We accept that responsibility. So pretty much Josh's career, NFL career, is over, and the, the Giants have moved on and, and now have Robbie Gould in their building. Rejoice. Finally made the right decision. It was about time, but it, it's actually been some interesting talk this week from a different angle saying that releasing these kickers is often can snowball some of the issues and that the families end up, you know, because they're taking away the income and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think the NFL and what John Mara was saying, I, I guess I kind of can see why they, they were going down that path because they were trying to rehabilitate and try and rebuild the family dynamic and all that sort of stuff. So I can see maybe some more being done from 
not not in relation to this situation, but in just in the future and maybe trying to help the families out first before uh, making a decision. Maybe just putting them on a list. Like, you can get rid of them, but maybe trying to the, the teams themselves helping out the families involved. Yeah, it's hard because then, like, so they're not officially... Say you wanted to help the family and cut Josh Brown at the same time, it'd be weird for them to cut him and then say, hey, come and enter the NFL family rehabilitation. You know what I mean? So that it's a it's a whole weird concept. It is a weird the, dynamic. At the, at, at the end of the day, you know, you had to go. And yeah, I like that. I like that John Mara came out and just said, you know, like we didn't handle it the right way. Yeah, so we'll yeah. wait and see. So, uh, some other news this week is, surprise, surprise, the Patriots are involved in trades right before the trade deadline. They acquired outside linebacker Kyle Van Noy from the Lions in exchange for a six-round pick, and then they gave up tight end AJ Derby to the Broncos for a fifth-round pick. So essentially they got rid of a tight end that they were never going to use who was stuck behind Gronk and Martellus Bennett and then got a outside linebacker who was actually taken in the second round in 2014 by the Lions and just quite didn't quite work out and actually got a fifth-round pick and lost a sixth-round pick from it. So they're wheeling and dealing, and you watch Kyle Van Noy make a crucial play for them in January and keep their season alive. It's just the it's just the Patriot way, right, Josh? It's these kind of players that, you know, that Patriots take a shot on, and generally with some, like, they've got good coaches at the Patriots. They've got bloody good coaches, and, I mean, they generally get the best out of whatever player they get. So, I mean, it's just the obvious. Obviously, they've been eyeing this guy off for a bit, and you know, if it's always a defensive end or a linebacker that just comes out of nowhere for the for the Patriots, and they turn out to be an absolute gem. So yeah, they they do it all the time. I think it was Akeem Ayers a couple of years ago that they managed to have like five or six sacks in in seven games towards the back end of the season for them. And I can see Kyle Van Noy making a crucial play for them in the who future. Did they, who did they get last year? Who did they get last Jabal year? Jabal Sheard right at the end of free agency and ended up That's being an it. absolute stud. So. Um, they just they just do the right things at the right time, and it just benefits everybody in their organization they're building. That's why they. That's why I really think when you look at the NFL, they are the only elite team in the NFL right now. I think if you were splitting them off into tiers, I think they're in a tier of their own. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree that I, they're so well rounded, and their, their offense yep. is even though they 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 slow down for portions of the game, you never think they're out of... Like, they've lost no, they, control. they always feel in control. They could be down 14 in games and I still feel like they're in control. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it is. It really is. Yeah. You know, and, and I hate I hate them for it because they're just always in the way of my Colts getting into the to the playoffs and Bill Belichick and Peyton Manning always had these duels and, and Belichick often got the better of him, but when you when you look back, it's it's just amazing to watch. Like You're going to miss it when, when Bill Belichick retires, but uh, we'll move on to some other news. Tony Romo, he's back in practice on Thursday. He was fairly limited, but it was his first official practice since the injury in the preseason. He won't play against the Eagles, and he's very unlikely to play against the Browns. But they're just the Cowboys are just slowly building him up because Dak Prescott's there. They can take their time with him. Yeah, no, I think if you're gonna if he's ready for the Browns, I think it'd be a good game to ease him back into. Agreed. But if he's if he's not ready, don't. Nah. Yeah. Well, There's no point. It's the Browns as well, so you you know you've got that game covered quite easily. Yeah. No offense to the Browns, but uh, it's just the way it goes. All so right, it, it, it's a it's just a flat out. If he's healthy, that's a good game to ease him back in. But yep. if he's not healthy, why risk him against the Browns? Exactly. Just uh, bring him back when you're 100 percent confident in his ability on the field and have no qualms about his back or shoulder or feet or knees or head or whatever it seems to be affecting Tony Romo. Poor guy, just had a a litany of injuries. Uh, Moving on, Thursday night football, the game that we forgot to preview, but we tweeted out our picks this morning. We're both on Tennessee minus three, and the final score finished 36-22. Quite a misleading score because it was 27-0 at halftime. The game was, I think the game was pretty much over when Tennessee went up about 14-0 because I just can't see Blake Bortles putting up 14 points when the game is actually on the line. Uh, He is the, the king of garbage time though you know he may be the best ever garbage time quarterback in fantasy he still finished with 337 yards and three touchdowns it's amazing too because it you you have no faith in him to win the game he looked horrible he's even the uh the touchdown throw that he threw to julius thomas was a complete wobbler yep. like it was just Fluke. by the way thank you thank you I'm playing you this week and i lost cj edison this is not fair wooten why fantasy week in week eight how appropriate yes anyway true. Um, 
yeah, so even that was just complete, just bleh, just yeah. gross. And you have no faith in him to win the game. But then it's like as soon as there's doubt and you think, oh, there might be a quarterback controversy going into next week, he'll play an amazing fourth quarter mm. to put your mind at ease and be like, oh, maybe you just had a rough time. It's, so just, it's, just... it's just crazy when you look at his quarter-by-quarter quarter splits, how awful he is in in first quarters compared to fourth quarters. And then even when you split the fourth quarters to when they're you know, within seven and then when they're down by 14, like the, just the difference. It's like because they're down 14, there's no pressure. He can just throw it, throw it will and, and there's n- there's nothing there. But when the pressure's on, it's just he, he turns to water and you watch him and it's just it, he's regressed so much as a passer. He's never looked worse. Even when he was starting as a rookie and, and, and was throwing some picks, at least he's throwing motion and delivery were fine. It, it seems to be in dis- disarray at the moment and he's admitted that to Phil Sims. Phil Sims mentioned that at the start of the the broadcast, so you know, Bortles has at least acknowledged it, but I just don't see where the solution is uh, with this with this coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look good at all, and I have even his dropbacks. I'm just his awareness; it just feels all out of sync. It just yeah. feels like he's he's concentrating on one thing mm. more than another, and then in the next play, he'll try to overcorrect what he just yeah. you know did wrong. It's it's frustrating to watch, but then you know what? Maybe this could be the first ever, hey, how about we have like a game manager for the first three quarters and we'll bring in balls to win the game in the last. <laughs> That's just crazy. Who knows? Could happen. Chase Daniels. That is crazy. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this season. When he plays Brock Osweiler, I think that is for the crown of worst quarterback in the NFL. It's definitely uh, a bottom three. Yeah, I think uh, when he plays Brock, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be gold. But the Jaguars overall, they, they promised so much in the offseason, and I think they probably are the most disappointing team in the NFL because, you know, Cleveland we expected, the Jets we knew had a tough schedule, and San Fran we knew were going to were gonna struggle. But the Jags, you know, many thought were a playoff team or at least, you know, the division champion. And at, at halftime, the t- Tennessee had 21st downs and 27 points, and Jags had only run 22 plays, and the Titans had 354 yards. In the first half, that's the most ever by any team this season. Yeah, no, it was it was incredible. And I think, I mean, next week we're going to review the at the half point yep. of the season. Is that going to be next week or Maybe. the week after? Uh, yeah, well, uh, we might have to do a special episode because we've been meaning to uh, get Chris Wessling on, so it might be appropriate to bring him on for the half yeah. half yearly yeah, review. Yeah, I, like, I do like that. You like um, that? Yeah, but definitely, they're the most disappointing team yep. so far through the first half, and I mean. Tennessee aren't exactly a team that is known for their offense. They're all about, you know, keeping the game close with uh, like a pretty decent defense, which we weren't expecting going into the season. We thought it was going to be the other way around, mm. but yeah, and they're, uh, they're they played really well. Marcus Mariota over the last month, he's gotten so much better after a really slow start. He's you know, uh, I, you know what? I think that's all misleading as well. Oh, he he looked, he, he made he missed some early throws in the in the start of the season, but I just think it just took a while to get this offense in sync and get used to it. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, he has improved, but there's still like some passes that are just wide open. It's yeah. frustrating because I I love Mariota, like yeah. I massive crush on the guy, and I don't know. I just I hope he. I hope this is a an upward trend. I hope this momentum keeps up because he's so talented. He's yeah. so talented. I think you're right. I think you're right though. Like he's been great, but you're right. There is room for improvement, which is promising for Titans fans because if he if he takes the next leap up, even as the season progresses, there are real chance to win this division. Now, I think if he does just take a little step forward and gets a little bit better and starts making those throws with Derek Henry and Demarco Murray and now Kendall Wright coming coming along and and actually being a legitimate deep threat, and he executed on that touchdown pass. Kendall Wright ran a superb route, and uh, I, I think... He's looking the, good again. I think they're the team to beat the AFC South. The Colts play them again next week, and I think the winner of that, I think well, you have to project going forward on who wins that division. Yeah. I love that they uh, they brought up during the broadcast that they have both the last two Heisman winners. I just found that so, so interesting. I never actually... Mm. You know, took that into consideration. They have both Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota. That's cool. That's a cool thing to have. And the one, bef- and the one before that, currently not in the NFL. <laughs> Money Manziel. By the way, Shad Khan after the game, he said, "Actions speak louder than words." He said, "There's very little for me to say," but then clarified later on that Gus Bradley would not be fired. Bradley's .255 winning percentage is the worst of any qualifying head coach in the Super Bowl era. So he's officially the worst. Coach in this head coach in the Super Bowl era, I think it's time to make a change. Do you agree? 
I do. I think he's a very, 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 very talented defensive coordinator. I think he gets – I think what he said at halftime – did you see his halftime comments when he said – like, he knew exactly what was going on. He knew the game was out of reach, but he knew that it was all about the mental aspect and that the the players were kind of – I don't know. They were just trying to do things that they couldn't and not keeping to the script. They weren't yeah. – they were always trying to make big plays. They were trying to do things that – you know, were risky and that, you know, the Titans put picked them apart because of it. And all they needed to do was kind of just get their heads in the game pretty much. Mm. And that's what that's what Gus Gus said. And, you know, that was what they tried to do in the second half. And, I mean, they did come back a bit, but the game was out of hand by that time. Yeah, and... So, I mean, it, that, that's kind of a thing where a defensive coordinator, if he was to be a defensive coordinator, he would, you know, that mentality is perfect for a defense. It is. Yeah, and, and until today, their defense was playing quite well and was keeping them competitive in games, and it was their offense letting them down. I just don't think he's qualified enough to be a head coach at this point. Obviously, he might get another go like a Jack Del Rio and thrive in that position, and, and we'll see, but I just don't think he's the right person, especially now with Bortles' you know, regression and, and delivery in motion. They need to bring in an offensive mind. Here's an idea. I think Shad Khan should ring Jim Bob Cooter right now and offer him the head coaching job for next year because the what he's done with Matt Stafford and worked magic with Matt Stafford, I think he could do the same with Blake Bortles. Oh, and then maybe just put Quinn as the... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn as the but I no, think but... Jim Bob Cooter is going to be a popular head coaching candidate at the end of the season. Well, I, I, like, I like it. For president. He's gonna. He's only got three years <laughs> yeah. before he's going to run. He, he, can uh... fix, he can fix Bortles in, in three years and then just roll up for the Detroit primary and just roll in for president. <laughs> the, uh, the the biggest problem, though, for the Jags is still Bortles. Bortles is yep. so uninspiring. Yep, that's it. All right, the lowly Jags. But we're one for one for the week, so let's move on to our week eight picks. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, let's start with the London game, and we've got Washington. Uh, it's a neutral field, but they're classified... <laughs> They're classified as the away team. They're plus. I love it. I love it that London keeps getting this crap. I don't, this one, I feel... this, this game actually seems all right to me. I think Washington plus three at a dollar eighty. Cincinnati minus three at two dollars and five cents. Both teams have started to get a bit of a roll on lately. Washington, I know they lost last week, but they uh, they were very competitive in that game. Yeah, <laughs> you just can't. A bit of a AFC uh, NFC East no, bias not... here. No, it's not even that. It's just I don't know. They just even though they haven't been playing that poorly, like as per their record, it's just—I don't know. It's just like they're so misleading. I just can't trust them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They seem like an eight and eight team. They're—they're they're a team that's always going to be like within one score in a lot of these games, and I think it can just go both ways. And you can see them easily getting hammered, and then you can see them surprisingly beating anybody on their day. They're—they're they're a tough team to work out, but. Uh, I think Cincinnati is starting to get a roll on now. They got their running game back. The offense is starting to click, and and Tyler Eifert's back, which will help their red zone efficient, efficiency. So we'll wait and see how that that pans out for them. But then looking on the defensive side of the ball, Cincinnati struggle with uh, with tight ends. And when you look at DVOA, they're one of the worst. I think they're 28th in the NFL against the tight end in terms of yards and and efficiency against against the tight ends and Jordan Reed's actually on his way to London right now so that could be a key matchup for them and then you look at Josh Norman whether he can shut down AJ Green yeah now that is something that I want to watch that is something the London public can get excited about by the way that matchup alone bums on seats yeah last week remember when I mentioned that uh uh, it would London would become essentially a home crowd for New York because no one would want to yep. root for LA. And then I think you, you mentioned it that Greg Rosenthal was there last week, yep. and then he he mentioned that it was fifty percent New York um, Giants fans. So that was yeah. that was cool. And knew the, that would happen. And the rest were just general NFL fans. So what's your pick? Who's going to have the more uh, home field advantage in this one? Um, I'm not sure about that aspect because they're both teams that <laughs> not huge know, fan bases. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you know, I like I like the Red Rocket to succeed in London. You're taking Cincinnati minus three. I am. I'm just worried about this. There, yeah, I'm just worried about Cincinnati's defense against tight ends, and then I really am like I love I love AJ Green, but Josh Norman. We've been talking about him, and we wanted to talk about him a couple of weeks ago, but we ran out of time on the show. How how he's just not a system of Carolina. He's actually a legit shutdown corner, and, and he's 
very excellent at his job. He did a very good job against Marvin Jones last week. So I'm taking Washington plus three. I think Cincinnati will win, but it might be another close game and another shootout. Washington seemed to be involved in plenty of them. Moving on, Kansas City on the road, minus two and a half at a dollar eighty-seven. Indianapolis plus two and a half at a dollar ninety-five. This is a game where, when you look at the teams on paper, Kansas City a much much better team uh, than than the lowly Colts. But uh, you know the Colts get some players back, Dorsett and Moncrief are coming back, and you know it could make things a little bit interesting. I'm not scared of Kansas City's defense anymore. Really? Why? Why the change? I don't know. Like I still, I still find there's there's some big playmakers, but it's that is what the defense has become essentially to me. I still think there is like there there are you know uh, an above average defensive unit in the NFL, but it's just not that that defense that I'm accustomed to. I think it'll uh, I, I think know. it'll change when Justin Houston comes back, and he's not expected to come back this week, which I thought was going to happen because it's just the Colts' luck that this this all seems to happen for us. But uh, apparently, he's not back. But I think that'll change once he's back on the field. Oh, I agree, but that's that's like a glaring weakness at the moment. Their their linebackers in the pass rush isn't what it is mm. with Houston, obviously, because he's a complete you know MVP candidate when he's on his game. Yeah. But um, you know, I like Indianapolis. I do. Kansas, I like the Colts. Kansas City are a, a, a totally different team on the road, and, and Andrew Luck's nine and zero against the spread, and eight and one straight up as a home underdog in his career. So that's something to monitor. And then you got Vontae Davis can really mirror. Jeremy Macklin, and it'll be interesting to see if Peters mirrors Hilton. And you mentioned there's there's plays to be had. So with Moncrief and Dorsett coming back, Luck can just target other receivers outside of, you know, outside of whoever Marcus Peters is on and, and pick his poison there. But for me, I look at the ground game of Kansas City and Spencer Ware has just been an absolute dynamite this year. He's just been killing it. And, the, and he's really good. He's averaging 19 yards a, a catch and the Colts are dead last in DVOA versus passing yards to running back. So I think Ken, I think Spencer Ware is going to have a big day, and I don't think we can win. So I'm I'm taking Kansas City. Are you taking the Colts? I am taking the Colts. Wow. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. By the way, I don't uh, – Vontae Davis shutting down Jeremy Macklin, I think, is a big deal. Macklin ha- – mm. Alex Smith doesn't throw to him. No, he hasn't, and he hasn't been that effective this year. So I just think you can pretty much wipe that out. I think that's going to be quite a good day for Vontae Davis, who's done a good job against uh, – you know, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Alan Robinson and things like that. Devontae Davis is back. He's been playing really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Oakland uh, on the road again. They've got a good away record, but they're playing in Tampa Bay here. The game's actually a pick at a dollar ninety one. so there's no line at, at this point. It's that absolute... Do you find that crazy? Um, I do a little bit, but I find Oakland a very flawed 5-0 and team. I think they could very easily be like 3-3 three and three or 2-4 and four and... I know they're so good away, though. I know they're five and zero, oh, but two of those include one point wins against AFC South teams. So, like, you got to look at who they've beaten. But then Tampa Bay, like, they were down fourteen to San Fran last week. Yep, and I mean, Oakland are are a team that you don't have to worry about playing away. They play nearly better when they're playing away. Surely that's got to give though. Like as I said, they've had two one point wins. It's been very fluky, very lucky at times. But saying that, Tampa Bay is not exactly a destination where you go and you're worried. Then that's True. like one of the least threatening away um, Dude, stadiums a, to play in. They have a pirate boat in their stadium. That's pretty threatening to so me. So cool. So it's so, so cool. Yeah, they have a pirate ship that shoots literally shoots cannons. But uh, Josh Norman shooting in a fake bow and arrow is deemed violent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, crazy. Yes, yes. Um, I. I I am worried about Oakland's pass defense against Mike Evans. They're ranked 26 against the pass on defense, and they're ranked 18th against number one wide receivers. They're averaging about 90 yards to, to number one wide receivers, and Mike Evans now with Vincent Jackson out, he's just getting a funnel of targets. And, and you're looking at fantasy on a point-per-game basis. He's actually the number one fantasy wide receiver right now because he's had the bye. So that's a matchup. That's a matchup I really, really like. So I'm actually going to roll the dice here, and I'm taking Tampa Bay. So I've had... Tonight we've had three that are different. So far three. to start, it, it's a really weird week. There's no like the highest line at this point is five. Like the, all the games are really really close. It's uh it's going to be a tough betting week. There's a lot of games I'm going to probably avoid. Um, right, are you just... going Seattle or New Orleans straight away? 
I'm going New Orleans here, but we'll get to them oh, in a minute. Nah. <laughs> You're taking New Orleans? Yeah, so yeah. let's let's move on to that game. We've got Seattle traveling. I, I think Seattle will win, but I think New Orleans, will, will, there's some really good numbers I'll get to that make this matchup really fascinating to me. Um, Seattle minus 2.5 at $1.87. New Orleans plus 2.5 at $1.95. Some places you can get at 3, and William Hill were at 3 this morning. It's just moved, so keep an eye on that. If it gets to a field goal, then that makes New Orleans even more more tempting. But, uh, you know, Russ has been banged up. There's concerns about his hamstring. And then it was talked today that his knee injury really should have kept him out a month. Yeah, and, I mean, there's even question marks about Christian Michael. So, I mean, New Orleans New Orleans looks good at home. Like, very, very good. They're a completely different beast when they're at home um, opposed to away from the Superdome. And I don't know, like, obviously being at home is, you know, a whole comfortability thing, but... Drew Brees just looks like a completely different quarterback. He just doesn't look phased when yeah. he's playing in the Super Exactly. He uh it's crazy. This is this is what I love about this matchup. So you've got the number four DVOA offense new in New Orleans against the number three Seattle defense. Seattle's defense has given up fourteen points a game this year, but at home, New Orleans is averaging thirty five point six points a game, which is just insane number. So something's got to give here. You've got like an elite defense against an elite offense. So you've got, what is it, an immovable object against an unstoppable force or whatever it is, That's the, whatever that saying is in physics. It's the other way around, but yeah, yeah I get right, it. I get it. I'll hit the dip. Did I stutter? Not really a stutter, but uh, we'll go with it. I I am worried about New Orleans' defense not getting pressure on Russell because that offensive line is, that's where he struggled against Arizona last week is he just didn't have any time. If he gets some time, I think Seattle can can win this game, but uh, it's up to Cameron Jordan and Sheldon Rankins to get some pressure. Yeah, and I mean, even if it's just sending an extra, you know, an extra player his way, because if he's still, if there's still question marks about, you know, his mobility and things like that, that's exactly the place they take advantage. You saw what Arizona did when they when they uh, put pressure on him, and I mean, six total points. Yeah, crazy. It was one of the. It was a classic game. And by the way, your boy Michael Thomas has been really good the last four weeks. He either had a hundred yards or a touchdown. He's been he's been really really good. He's a gun. Yeah, he's a he, he, could, out gun. he could be the key matchup here because you think you know Cooks will be on Sherman and then Thomas is that matchup on on the inside if they move Snead or or whatnot. So it could be a big game for Mike Thomas in a big spot. Uh, moving on, we've got Houston at. They're actually they're actually home and they're favorite minus two and a half at a dollar ninety one. Detroit traveling there two and a half at a dollar ninety one. This this line seems a little bit crazy to me. I know Houston have been a, a much better team at home and Detroit away from home are a much different team. But I don't know. I just I can't pick Brock Osweiler at the moment. He's just been terrible. Me either. And you know what? Like Matthew Stafford is the best possible outcome that Osweiler can be in his career. Like that's just <laughs> that's his ceiling. That's his ceiling to get to what Matt Stafford is just. What Matt Stafford now. was two years ago, really. Yeah, like just an average Matt Stafford <laughs> is Osweiler's pinnacle. Yeah. We, um, we just talked about Seattle and New Orleans, how we've got, you know, the, the objects clashing head on here. You couldn't get a more different story in this case where you've got two quarterbacks trending in opposite directions. You've got Matt Stafford who's in the MVP conversation, and then you've got Brock Osweiler in the conversation for the worst starting quarterback. In the NFL, and, yeah, he's, no. and he's so bad that some Texans fans have made a GoFundMe page to buy out Brock's contract from the Texans. Yeah, I saw that. That's great. Um, <laughs> Doing more than coaching stuff. To chip in. No. Yeah. <laughs> now I want him to stay in tech, in Houston. It benefits me long term. <laughs> yeah, but mate, Mariota. Mariota. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, if Houston's defense gets anything going, that might. I think that's. Mm. I, I think sorry. I think Osweiler feeds off, um, like the defensive pressure and the 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 the, blah, 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 blah. the defensive unit. And I think when the pressure's off Osweiler a bit, and he's at home, and you know the focus isn't on all on him. Yep. Which was a horrible sentence, but I no, think I get, he. I get what you're saying. I think he flourishes in those situations when the defense is performing, and it's not all about him. I think that is where Osweiler is most comfortable. And obviously the defense uh, feeds off like the atmosphere at home. And I think it's all a, you know, it's all a a circle of life, if you like, where (laughs) if the Detroit Lions get any pressure on this guy early, he's going to collapse. He's going to just, 
is going to collapse like a Monopoly board. There you go. <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't even make sense. How does it, when does a Monopoly board collapse? What, when you're folding it back into the box? Yep. Okay. He's going to go back into his shell. Like, this is the chance for Brock to write the ship. Like, this is the worst pass defense in the NFL. By far the worst. The Colts are the second worst. This is by far the worst, like, the best possible outcome. So he saw what he could do against the Colts, you know, second worst pass in the fourth quarter. This is a real chance for him. If he can't get it going against this defense, then I have my doubts that he just won't get it going at all. But when you look at the, the Lions and, and this Detroit defense, I don't know if they can stop them now. Ebron and, and Theo Riddick are back. That's huge for for the Lions. That's so many elite pass catches and so many people that are dynamic after the catch as well. How much money is he owed, Osweiler? A lot. <laughs> like The GoFundMe page is about $35 million short. Oh, actually, $35,999,000 short. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I, just, no, I'm, I, I love Detroit in this. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to AJ Boy as well. Um, he's the corner for Houston. He's actually PFS number one cornerback at the moment, having a breakout season. So, you know, lost in all the Osweiler crap is, is some actually some decent play from Houston's, uh, you know, young and up-and-coming players. Uh, moving on, the Jets minus three on the road, $2.00. Cleveland plus three to eighty three. Josh McCowan is returning to the starting lineup and will play. And you couldn't ask for a better matchup. The thirty first ranked pass defense in the NFL is the Jets, which is crazy when you've got Darrell Rivas in your team. But he is burnt toast at the moment. I don't know. I, I kind of get the feeling like this could be the game that I don't. I really don't want Cleveland to go zero and sixteen. I think this is the matchup when you look at their schedule that they need to win. Give me the Jets. You take the Jets. By the way, Geno Give- Smith's not out. Fitzpatrick's back. Oh, yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That was a bit harsh. Like, he didn't even get to play that much and then he does his ACL. Um, <laughs> when I say thank God, I don't mean I, I wish no injury upon anyone. Just yeah. I'm glad Fitz, Fitzmagic is back. I want him to have another chance. I want him to, you know, just have one more year, really. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like McCown is huge. Like, I just think this is a – he's a – good quarterback like I just feel like he, if he can stay healthy and, and survive this enti- it's it's just insane that Cleveland yeah, have gone I, through I, six quarterbacks but if he can stay healthy love, he can he can keep this close I would love for the Jets to have McCowan and Decker that would just be I reckon they'd be a legitimately good team if, I, yeah. if they had those two but, oh well um yeah Jets I like the Jets I like I, I like Cleveland I, I'm taking them straight out to win as well I think why don't you uh, marry him I will Come on, man! You got to get on Josh. It's it's our name. It's it's the guy. It's weird. the vibe. But I uh, no, I just think this is the matchup for Cleveland. I think McCowan can get it done, and we'll wait and see. The, the issue is their running game. Like the Jets are stout still against the run, but uh, we'll wait and see how they go. Uh, all right, moving on. Another uh, this this uh, this game got flexed out. Oh no, sorry. We'll get to the other one that got flexed out. The Green Bay Atlanta game is on later now. And Arizona's on early in the morning, so we really need a bit of out of order here. But Atlanta minus three at home at a dollar eighty-seven. Green Bay plus three at a dollar ninety-five. I feel sorry for Atlanta. I think they're a good team. They've just had a really tough schedule the past few weeks. So actually, like I know they've lost, but I feel good about them actually going forward um, as a team and as not a contender. But I think they they'll be in the absolutely in the playoff mix. Oh, they should win that, their division. Yeah, no, they should and. This game's a bit weird because even though I said last week that, you know, you got to take Green Bay's victory with a grain of salt because of what happened to Hoyer and things like that, it's still somewhat worrying that Aaron got his groove on, if you like, mm. like against a bad defense and going up against another bad defense if he's going to work it out, if they're going to go with the same similar method with, you know, the three wide receivers, which are essentially clones of themselves in Montgomery, Cobb, and um, Adams. Yep. So I don't know what um, exact, like, offense they're going to throw out there, but I don't know. It's going to pose some, you know, difficult questions for Atlanta, but I still I still like Atlanta. I still don't think they, they can't stop Julio. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it, that is the key matchup for them, and and the Packers are, are vulnerable to number one wide receivers, and it's 104 yards they they average a game against number one wide receivers. So that's that's on average, and this is probably the best number one receiver that they'll face all year. Julio looks every bit his best. He just he looks incredible. I am really he's... worried. I'm pl- you've got him in your lineup this week against me, and OJ Odell Beckham's on a bye. 
Uh, it's just all the stars are aligning for your uh, comprehensive victory over my team. Except I have Drew Brees against Seattle, so I'm not sure. Uh, we'll wait and see. It's better than... No, oh, wow. Our quarterbacks are facing each other. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Right. Really fun. I just want to mention as well that the loss of Telvin Coleman is huge for for Atlanta because he's just a, a matchup nightmare and he's so, so, so fast. It's unbelievable. Uh, how, that how, That is sad. It is sad. That... He'll be back, but uh, yeah, I think the Falcons, I just think that that Julio to Ryan connection is, is probably one of the best given that Big Ben's out, it probably is the best connection in the NFL right now. And I, if the Green Bay are averaging that amount, I just not, there's no way they're going to stop that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they try to do it. But we'll move on. New England minus five on the road up to Buffalo, plus five at $1.91 each way. The last time they played, it was Jacoby Brissett at quarterback and Buffalo led a 16-0 comprehensive victory. I don't think uh, Bill Belichick will want that to happen and be shut out again by the Bills twice in the same year. No. I think this is a revenge game, and I think that it's all going to be about Gronk again, and then Gronk is just going to flat-out kill it. It's just going to. It's one of those games that Rex Ryan will just complain and at the end of the game, and, I mean, he's got, you know, there's some truth to what he says. He's like, no one can cover this guy, so it's essentially cheating. Mm. It's, and, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's what's going to happen. Well, it's funny. Throw it wrong all that. It's funny, though. Buffalo haven't allowed a touchdown to a tight end this uh, I bet you this. This season. I bet, you, I bet you that'll be an absolute... Like, a Bill, I bet Bill Belichick knows that and goes in with a, a, a conscientious plan to make sure tight ends score as many touchdowns as possible and just throw that storyline and narrative into the river. I think, yeah. like, Gronk could easily score three touchdowns here. Uh, I watched him last week, and I, I run out of adjectives to talk about Gronk. Like he is so far better than anyone I've ever seen at tight end. It's re- just ridiculous. No, he's good. No, I'm not, no one's no one's uh, going against you on that topic. But and it's so funny though. After the game, like how much of a gr- like, actually a Gronk that he is. Like talking about his 69 touchdown, like a like an eight year old kid, and he's the guy that's keeping defensive coordinators awake at night trying to game plan against. Can I just say, what eight-year-old's talking about 69, Josh? Uh, I don't know. Um, ones, <laughs> ones with bad parents. <laughs> ones with shocking parents. Yeah, and then I'm sure there's... Yeah, to mum and dad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> mum. Thanks for the childhood. Great parent. Uh, your no, point... but yep. I reckon whatever happens, if they don't go the, the tight end avenue, that sounded so wrong. The... They... Uh... <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> They're going... Whatever way they decide to uh, attack Buffalo, I, if it's if, if it's with Blount, if it's with you know Edelman or whatever, it's going to be Belichick. I'm just going to keep playing this against you, and you're not going to be able to stop me. No. I think it's just going to be it, at the end if it's if it's Blount four touchdowns, it's going to be something like that where Rex Ryan just has to be like, yeah, we we just couldn't stop it. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I, it's going to be a demoralizing press conference. I can't. I can't see the Patriots losing. I just can't. I, mm. I would be genuine, genuinely shocked if Buffalo win. Yeah, same here. Uh, no McCoy, or uh, in doubt that McCoy isn't isn't playing because Rex stupidly played him against Miami. But you know, there's he's apparently fifty fifty. Like Rex will pretty much play McCoy until he tears the muscle completely off the bone or his leg is amputated. At this point, it's. Uh, it's crazy, and then so the Patriots have played without the Steelers against without Big Ben, and now the Bills possibly without McCoy back to back weeks. So kind of makes up for the 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 uh, the suspension. They've got a little bit of luck going their way later on in the season. And I've got to mention your boy Chris Hogan's. He's out playing Edelman right now, which was one of your like burger bets, and it's actually coming true. Chris Hogan looks far more dangerous than Edelman right now. Thank you. I know my wide receivers, y'all. <laughs> no, Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan is great. Yeah, he's been. He's been a great pickup for them. Terrific. And yeah. he's exactly the, the player that they needed and thought Amendola would be. Yep. But he Amendola didn't turn it. Like, Amendola has been fine, yep. but he was the player that they wanted in Amendola, and now Hogan is just completely excelling in his role. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm not sure the, the reception ratio at the moment. That was my bold bet, bold prediction. Mm. He would out-receive um, re- with the receptions. but We'll wait and see what receiving yards, because... Hogan's taking the bigger, the the longer tar, the passes and and doing more with the ball in his hand after the catch. But we'll move on. San, yeah. Di- San Diego plus four and a half on the road at a dollar ninety one, traveling to Denver minus four and a half. They just played a fortnight ago and don't know what the schedule makers are doing. And the Colts and Titans are doing the same thing. Very 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 strange. But uh, 
Devontae Booker gets a start. CJ Anderson heading to IR with uh, with knee Sick. surgery, which is really sad because that they, they, they were a really good one-two punch uh, on uh, Monday Night Football against the Texans. But Booker is a, a solid player. Often at times I was watching them and I thought it was CJ Anderson on the field. They're very similar styles and perfect perfect running back for Kubiak system. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll, it looked like they were going to do what they did last season with Hillman and CJ Anderson. And, yep, you know, more efficient. That, yeah. It's not hard to be more efficient than what Hillman was producing, but hey, they <laughs> and I was a Hillman fan. So anyway, they um, yeah, it is it is a bit disappointing, especially when you cut um, Booker out of your fantasy team two weeks ago, and then you also cut Derrick Henry out when he has a breakout game. <laughs> so that's very frustrating for me at the moment. Yep. It happens every year, but Always. anyway, say, saying that, I reckon I'm going. I'm going to the team of the pod. I'm I'm going San Diego. They're going to keep it close. I uh, I was thinking that as well, but I think San Diego have been on a pretty good run the last couple of weeks, and I think Denver are a much better team than the, the team they played against San Diego a fortnight ago. I think Denver are much better now. Uh, How dare you? Thursday night football always favours the home team, but I'll say this, Phil Rivers has got oh, a good record yeah, in Denver. Yeah. He's 6-4 and four all-time in Denver. So as I said in week one when I picked the Chargers to beat the, the Chiefs, and they really should have won that game, he doesn't give a... Where he plays, he just rolls into the most hostile environments and gunslings it like there's no tomorrow. So I think they'll keep it close for a while, but Denver's defense is a different beast at home, and I worry about the rest of the Chargers team handling that altitude and things like that. If Keenan Allen was playing, though, him and Rivers, they light it up when they're up there. It's it's unbelievable. I miss Keenan Allen so much. Please, <laughs> hold me. Hold me, Josh. All right, Arizona plus three at $1.91 on the road. Carolina minus three at a dollar ninety one. Now this game is crazy. It feels like a loser go, goes home match, which is nuts because this is the NFC Championship game rematch. And I feel like, and we're only at week eight, but I feel like both these teams can't afford a loss right now, especially with Arizona having the draw on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, no, I I looked at the records after last pod, and I said that it didn't mean that much for Arizona. It, yeah, I jumped the gun on that one. Yeah. It's it's it... they need this they need this game badly now and um, I mean Carolina I, I know you haven't stuck a fork in them My, I, I've chopped them up up their dice to me but mm. <laughs> I think yeah they're mints if you like anyway Car- Carolina mints. I don't know, yeah I, I, Arizona has legitimate like this is a make or break game for them and it's a complete uphill battle if they don't win this and I just think they have to win they're gonna go. After such a tough game with Seattle, this defense, even though Carolina's defense has been known to be, you know, great, I'm not saying this season, but in in the past, this is going to yep. be, this defense is going to be a walk in the park compared to what Seattle was throwing at them last week. Yeah, and it feels like a role reversal from last year's game because it felt like it felt like Arizona's amazing offense against Carolina's amazing defense, and then now I think you flip it around. The Cardinals are built so differently, even though they've got the same personnel. It's just the quality of has really Im- improved on different sides and, and Carson's regressed a little bit. So it's now it seems like how will Carolina's offense go against the Cardinals' defense, which are fourth in DVOA. So they're a really, really strong defense, and, and the Cardinals are now a bit of a ground-and-pound team. So they're, they're focused around David Johnson. I feel like they'll just have to feature him a lot. If they're going to win this game, I think... David Johnson needs to touch the ball at least 30 times and try and keep the ball out of Cam's hands. Because Cam's still Cam. I just, that, that overall team, especially on defense, is is just not like, he, he put up a lot of points against New Orleans when they lost that game. Like, it wasn't on Cam at all. No, but at the same time, similar, I'm not, all right, before I say this. You can't I'm speak properly right now. <laughs> no, before I say this, I'm not comparing him to Osweiler. Right, but similar Careful. similar thing. He feeds off, he feeds off the whole team, and like when when the defense is firing, Cam gets into it, and it's you know he's a jovial guy. He's, yep. he's an emotional player. He gets into it. He's yeah. you know screaming at players and that kind of thing. And once he's into it, and the the defense feeds off him too. He's a he's a complete role model for the team. Mm. And if Cam is playing well and Cam's into it, the whole the whole team and the stadium and yep. the crowd and everything just really rally behind him and the team and every, everything's great but i don't i don't know it's a, it's a different situation this year and that that's clearly not happening on defense they look they look like a sh- i know it's not all josh norman but mm. yeah it, it's a huge piece to take out of your team and and uh 
yeah, it just changed the whole dynamic. And I think you're right about that Cam thing. I think that applies a lot to a lot of quarterbacks. I think it applies to all of them, just some more than others, obviously. Um, it's very easy to, to be hyped up when you go on the field. But, you know, when you've put your team in a lead and they've given up a, you know, 16-play, 90-something-yard drive, it's you, you kind of put your head in between your shoulders and, and it's it, it really hard to get yourself picked up because you think, if I go down and march this field, will my defense then just give up the lead yet again? And I... That's why I admire Andrew Luck's um, jovial positivity constantly, despite uh, him having to do it week in, week out for many, many years. So I assume you're taking Arizona. I am taking Arizona. Like you just said about um, Andrew Luck, that is exactly the way that Cam has to approach this. And yeah. I think I think Stafford's been doing it for a while too. His defense yeah. hasn't. He's had one or two years where the defense has been legitimately, you know, a top five unit or so. But m- most years, the de- the Detroit defense isn't anything to be, you know, super scared about. Yep. And Stafford always just goes out there and just keeps plugging. Kills keeps it. Keeps plugging. Uh, yeah. All right, moving on. Sunday Night Football, we finally got a blockbuster, an actual blockbuster to talk about. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so, Josh, I'm so nervous. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Philadelphia plus four on the road at $1.91, taking on the Dallas Cowboys minus four at $1.91, coming off a bye. Carson, it'll be billed as Carson Wentz v. Dak Prescott, but we we know it's a total... It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It is Jim Schwartz' defensive line against this uh, Cowboys' great wall, and it's a totally different matchup to the to the Vikings for, for Philly. So we saw Philly take advantage by just killing Minnesota up front and just getting pressure on Sam Bradford and beating their tackles. That's not going to happen against Dallas. That's a, that's a totally different story. And then you've also got Des Bryant coming back in the mix for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't know how the game's going to play out. I mean, what I thought how the Vikings game was going to play out didn't play out. So I'm just, I can't wait to just enjoy the game. I don't think Philly's going to win, but I, I'm interested to see how, you know, the, the, what we both predict is the new NFC East rivalry for many years to come. Yep. Is just going to, is going to develop over the years. Like it's, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm taking Dallas. I, I think they I actually think they're the best team in in the NFC. Even though I love the Vikings and I love their defense, I just think this Dallas offensive line and the way Zeke's running, I just think that's a match made in heaven. And it was touted at the time as a match made in heaven, and it's living up to expectations. The Eagles. I can't. A... I can't. I can't see past a healthy Russell Wilson led Seattle. Yeah, but the problem is he's not healthy at this point with the hams with the pec muscle and the and the knee injury. If they if they get healthy, then absolutely I agree with you one hundred percent. But uh, remember, Dallas did beat Seattle in in that year where they uh, won the Super Bowl in in Seattle. So Romo, when he comes back, that that's a total game changer for the Eagles. Though in this game, the Eagles have you know they've notched two special teams touchdowns in a in a pick six over the last couple of weeks. So if they want to try and stay in this maybe special teams or an unconventional touchdown might uh, be a game changer for them and, and swing the momentum if that's a, that's going to be a chance for them to win but I'm taking Dallas minus four I think they'll keep the ball in uh, in Zeke's hands and, and out of Carson Wentz and uh, and win this game yeah I mean I'm I'm picking Dallas hopefully it works out like it did last week role <laughs> reversal reverse <laughs> psychology whatever you want to call it yeah. I, I hope that happens but I mean We'll wait and see. Yeah. And Monday Night Football, the Chicago Bears in prime time again. You beauty. They're at home to the Minnesota Vikings. The line is four, $1.91 each way. During the week, I found this hilarious. Cutler was asked about whether John Fox believed in him or had faith in him going into this <laughs> game. And Cutler said he doesn't have a choice. It's true. It is. It's amazing. It was, it was an honest answer. I love that from Cutler. That was amazing. I think that's probably... What? The best thing Cutler's done all year. Man, I don't, I don't know why people hate this guy so much. I, I know he's because he doesn't vaccinate. Because he doesn't vaccinate his kids. Yeah, he doesn't vaccinate his kids. That's kind of a, a breaking point, deal breaker. That's a pretty effing dumb thing. But <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to all the any vaccinated listeners. Yeah. Great. Anyway, <laughs> we've just lost half our audience. Yeah, we just lost all two of them. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> wow. Sorry, no, yeah. but saying that, what? It's exactly right. He's got no choice. He's got to go out and play, and hopefully, he just. I, I don't say hopefully. I, I want. It, I just want him to play well. I'm yeah. still going for Minnesota. I like Minnesota. Minnesota's a great team. Yep, and they'll bounce back, I think. But I am worried about that tackle 
issue. I think it's a legitimate concern. Penel McPhee's back, and Leonard Floyd had a breakout game last last week in their loss. So they can generate pressure. It's up to it's up to the Vikings. They really need to get something going on the ground. They're averaging under three yards a carry on the season, so they need to get something. The, the line scares me. I'm, I'm not touching this match at all, um, just because Cutler coming back and with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and the no one believes in me sort of factor. And, you know, he, he was playing okay. Like, the last intercept he threw was why his thumb was completely just wrecked. So, yeah. I, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they keep this interesting. And the nature of Minnesota's games is they it, is it close games. And, and I, I can see them getting a lot of pressure on Cutler as well and being an opportunistic defense. Their defense played fine last week. But for the sake of my picks, I'm taking Minnesota, but I'm not touching this game from a, a gambling point of view. Nor would I, but I'm taking Minnesota as well. All right. Giving you the log of the week. Hold on, I've got to play the intro, man. Stop jumping the gun. You've got, you've had this issue before where you go off a bit too early. The Wooten Y Lock of the Week, proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. I'm taking New England as my lock of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's who you're taking? Man, that's the most clear yep. pick to me. Can I... we double down or do we pick two? Uh, we'll pick two, but I'm on the record. Let the record state that I'm also on New England minus five. I actually thought the line was going to go out past the touchdown, so I got on earlier. So this, earlier this week at like six, and I thought, oh, that's beauty under a touchdown. But now that it's five, like five is a stupid line anyway. To be honest, it's in the Vegas zone. Um, looking at some of these other games, you know. By what? the way, what's the difference? Uh, don't give me a stupid maths answer. What's the difference between four and five when it comes to a line? Like it's. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. I know there's data on like how many games are settled by four points and five points, and four and five are tiny. So it's 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 really weird zone in in terms of betting because three and seven is always the most common, obviously with the scoring systems. But yeah. it's just it, it is a strange, strange, strange number at times. But um, they're projecting so obviously some field goals and some missed extra points and things, which has changed things a little bit um, when you look at things in the grand scheme of things. Look. I, New England is going to be my lock, but I'll, I'll give a roughie. I really like Cleveland plus three. I just think they're a chance. So that might be my roughie of the week. Do you want to give a roughie of the week? A roughie? Yeah, or, uh, or a sleeper? Uh, no. no? I, <laughs> well, you, we both picked Detroit as well, plus two and a half. I think that's a pretty good bet as well. Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at that, or I was looking at Atlanta to upset Green Bay. There not we go. Green Bay. It is... It's weird that it's not an upset, but no, yeah. they are the favourites. So that technically, yeah. by definition, it would not be an upset. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that wraps up the show. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jynfl. You can follow Woot. You can follow me at Woot etc. You can follow the show at Woot and Wine. You can listen to us on Radio Hub, iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, TuneIn Radio. Please give us a like on Facebook, The Woot and Wine Show. Check out our Moneyball episode from the week and plenty of content. Give us an iTunes review. Say congrats to Billy! <laughs> <laughs>